this is Osatru Academics here. Osatru is the belief in the Norse gods. It's the native Norse religion. Think Vikings, Thor, Odin, etc. The etc is what I talk about. Jolly Yule! And I hope you're having a great Yuletide. The word jolly comes from the historian Geoffrey Gaymar in 1136. He blended the Old Norse word Yule and the French suffix if. It literally meant Yule feast. Jolly has evolved to mean joyful and cheerful, which tells you just how good those Norse parties were to still equate it with that this far later. Yuletide means Yule time. Yule has developed into different traditions for different groups now. The Wiccan Yule is a little different than the Norse pagan slash Osatru slash Osatru Yule. That Yule is celebrated on the shortest day of every year, the winter solstice. Proto-pagans celebrated their Yule differently and on different days. Prior to our modern Gregorian calendar's adoption, the Old Norse people kept time like many people did, by the moons. After all, that's where we got the name month. Moon, month, month, moon, month, month, month. Back in the eighth century, Historian Bede wrote about two months in the Germanic calendar that were literally named before Yule and after Yule. That's how much Yule was a big deal. This spanned from mid-November to the beginning half of January. Yule itself wasn't a one-day affair. Yule is a plural word in itself. It was on the midwinter night and the two thereafter. Three nights of eating and drinking. I mean, excessively excessive drinking. In the saga of Hokon the Good, the mid-900s king, he made a legal minimum, not maximum, minimum amount of alcohol consumed either on Christmas or during Yule. He wanted everyone to celebrate at least one holiday at the time. The minimum wasn't a drink or two. Oh no. It was in the gallons over those few days. A sacrifice of a horse was traditional and the meat soup was consumed afterwards. It was very important to partake in the sacrifice of the horse and consume it thereafter. In the saga of Hakon the Good, he went to the pagan Yule feast, as was his duty as the king, but didn't really want to participate in it because he was a Christian. He was pressured by one of his earls to stay in the hall full of pagan festivities. This earl brought him some of the mead dedicated to Odin and urged him to drink it. Peer pressure is a thing for adults too. Been going on for a long time. So the king made a cross over it to make it Christian-y and cancel out the paganness. The Earl asked, basically, WTF, what was that? And another Earl, Sigurd, showed great religious tolerance by saying, quote, the king is doing what all of you do who trust to your power and strength. He is blessing the full goblet in the name of Thor by making the sign of his hammer over it before he drinks it, end quote. There clearly has been a long history of Christians trying to Christianize Yule practices. More on that later. You can bring light and joy to a culture that wants to remove Christ from the season. Watch for this mailing and display your Merry Christmas window clang in your home or car as a witness to keep Christ in Christmas. The following Yule, four of the Earls made it a mission to get the King to offer a sacrifice to Odin. They tried to force him into the pagan ritual. I bet he was really reconsidering that drink minimum during that. Things were getting really heated, but Earl Sigurd stepped in again. He struck a deal that the king would eat bits of the horse liver and drink without the sign of a cross, but not do the sacrifice. Be more like Earl Sigurd. Let people practice their beliefs in peace and don't force them into yours. That goes for both sides of the Christian pagan realm, though it's clearly one side that needs to understand this a little bit more, and I'm preaching to the choir. 
The fact is the war on Christmas is real, but Bill, it's a part of a larger war against Christianity that's being waged around the world. And yeah, it's true, we are not suffering in the same way as Christians who are being martyred in other countries, not yet anyway, but make no mistake about it, this is all part of the same war and we've got to push back against it on every front. So Yules had eating, drinking, libation, sacrifices, peer pressuring your friends into alcoholism, but it also had resolution making. Swearing oats was a big part of Yule. In all honesty, I'm not sure if that was the greatest thing to do while you're drunk or the worst thing to do while you're drunk. If you were drunk, it would make desires you've been too anxious to commit to binding. However you might make an oath, that was spur of the moment or just dumb. I mean, you're drunk. Back then, an oath was beyond a promise. It was a serious promise risking your life and luck on. You could be killed for breaking an oath or at the least exiled. You wouldn't be making New Year's resolutions about diets or drinking more water or trivial things like that unless you wanted to die before the year's end. The sagas are full of people who made oaths and stuck with them regardless if they were a good outcome or not. The oaths sworn during Yule were held in the highest regard. They were sworn aloud, publicly with everyone at the feast as a witness. They weren't sworn on an artifact like an oath ring or a sword. They were sworn on a live boar that was brought in. This is where the Christmas ham practice came from. Now for some misconceptions about Yuletide. I wanted to clear up a confusion on the holiday of winter nights. Vetternather. Some people have started to spread that winter nights are the 12 days of Yule. I wanted to address that before it took hold any more than it already has. And I'm going to explain why that sentence is nonsense. Winter nights was its own holiday. The Norse people only had two seasons, summer and winter. Winter nights was the last night of summer and the first night of winter. This was during our late October, not December. Yule was a midwinter feast. It doesn't make sense to have a first and mid feast overlapping on the same days. And Yule was at least three days long anyway. The meaning of the holidays were different too. Yeah, they were both feasts, but winter nights was more focused on Frey rather than Yule's Odin. It was a winter welcoming party. During the winter nights, similar to Disablot, weddings were popular. This made sense. Many animals get pregnant and go through winter pregnant so that they can have their babies when the temperatures are better and warmer in the spring. If you were gonna get married and have babies, that makes sense to do during this time too. Winter nights also contained a sacrifice for Frey. Frey is known for having a bigger bounty of new bouncing babies in the spring and having a good prosperity. That's great for a marriage back then. Also, the 12 days of Christmas is a Catholic idea. Most of us know it from the Christmas Carol that was developed in the 1600s. In 567 current era, the Christian church declared that Yuletide be observed. This was the 12 days starting on the Christmas feast going all the way to the Epiphany feast about January 6th. It isn't a pagan thing. There's also a really popular misconception that Odin is Santa Claus. If you think about it, the less sense it makes. Santa came in fashion during the 19th century. Odin slash Woden is a tad older than that. I've seen it around that Santa's eight reindeer are supposed to represent the eight legs of Slepnir. They both just have the number eight. If you're not one to believe in coincidences, then you kind of have to accept that Santa's also related to how many legs are on a spider. The maximum number of electrons that can occupy a valence shell. The planets in our solar system. The legs on octopuses. Notes in an octave. On top of that, Santa does not have eight reindeer. There's Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen, and that radioactive reindeer, Rudolph. That's nine. 
Rudolph is at that front. He is the alpha. It makes sense with his X-Men Cyclops powers. So there's not even eight reindeer. And they do not represent Odin's horse. They're just a regular old team of flying magic reindeer. Some people compare the appearance of Santa with Odin or Woden. They both are depicted with long white beards, but then the similarities kind of stop. When was the last time you saw a Santa painting with an eye patch? Or Santa walking through the countryside with two fierce wolves and talking to birds? Odin doesn't wear red. He wears mostly blue, but sometimes gray or a spotted cloak. He does not wear red, white, and black. Thank you, Coca-Cola, for that imagery of Santa. I also wanted to squash the comparison of jolly old Saint Nick flying across the sky with this herd of reindeer coming from the stories of the Wild Hunt. If you've played Witcher, you know of the Wild Hunt. It isn't a hunting trip between buddies to bond over. Odin leads a furious horde with his wolves and ravens. It is a loud and frightening sight. Sometimes it was led by Odin, sometimes Woden, sometimes local heroes. Sometimes the stories say it's to kill people, some to gather souls. Sometimes they're just chasing someone in the sky to kill them. It is a loud and frightening sight. Never was it that they had Game Boys and Barbies to drop off at little kids' houses. It was considered a strong omen of war. People were terrified of it. If instead of reindeer hooves on your roof at night, you had the wild hunt, you would be leaving coal in your own pants, if you know what I mean. While Odin would totally slide down a chimney to commit breaking and entering, he wouldn't be there leaving any stocking stuffers. Odin is not a benevolent gift giver. He isn't very generous. He steals far more than he ever gives gifts in the lore. When Odin does give gifts, like in the saga of the Volsungs, he takes them back in a very unpleasant way for the gift holder, if you get my drift. The gifts are marked so he can have them join his army after they're killed. Saint Nicholas was a priest who was very generous and gave gifts to the children in Turkey where he was born. That's who started the Santa Claus legends. Odin isn't particularly fond of children. He isn't Frigga. He isn't concerned with their joy or happiness, much less if they have been naughty or nice outside of how they treat their guests. Odin is a crazy guy. One of his names is the Mad One, meaning both meanings of mad. Like he's crazy and he's angry wild. That's a scary Santa. Don't put your kids on his lap. He's a god of war. He has an all-out consuming paranoia and obsession with Ragnarok. I wouldn't want him judging if my kids were good or bad, because he would be judging them based on hospitality and fighting skill. And well, that's not going to go well for anybody. Now Odin does have one direct association with Yule. He's referred to as Yolnir, which means he's the one of Yule. He isn't the Father Christmas you picture though. He's the god that's toasted to during Yule since he's the king of the gods. Some Yuletide traditions have persisted. Mistletoe is a big one. Mistletoe and the tree it was being a parasite on was extremely sacred to ancient Celtic druids. It was used to promote fertility and to cure poisons. Ironically though, both European and American varieties of mistletoe are toxic. They contain viscotoxins or thorotoxins that give you the runs, seizures, a coma, or death. Not good gifts for the holidays. Pretty plant though. Mistletoe was used in Saturnalia festivals in ancient Rome, but also by the Norse pagans at the time. There's a very important story with mistletoe. The story goes that Frigg made every single thing vow and promise not to hurt her beloved son, Baldr. Everything agreed up until she got to mistletoe. 
She was probably really tired at this point and had tons of chores piling up to do and just wanted to relax. Going around to every single thing is just, ugh, exhausting. She concluded that mistletoe couldn't do any harm anyways and just skipped over it, getting a promise from it. Fast forward to Balder playing the fun game of let's test out the promises that Frigga made by trying her Balder. Loki was annoyed by this game and disguised himself, as he does. He was chit-chatting with Frigga and she casually mentioned that she hadn't gotten mistletoe to make a promise. So Loki naturally made a spear out of it because Loki be Lokian. And then he gave it to Balder's blind brother. He killed Balder with it on accident. So today we kiss people under the mistletoe because we don't know how long we have them or how long they're gonna live. I mean, everyone is required to die someday after all. A Yule log is another tradition that has persisted but changed slightly in meaning too. It used to be a massive log that was brought in to keep the fire going through the Yule feast. I mean, who wants to go out in the dark when it's super cold during an awesome party to go get more wood? That's lame. Since the Yule celebrations started being less grand and less grand, and fireplaces were not a requirement in every dwelling, or even feasible, the log transformed into just a nice warm fire or even chocolate cake rolls. Another tradition is Yule goats. They're more popular in Europe where many pagan traditions are still done compared to the US, but some still celebrate them here in the US. Its roots go back to Saturnalia and Germanic paganism prior to the Romans. It's a blending of beliefs between the Germanic people that were conquered or assimilated into the Greco-Roman Empire. So where the heck did the goats come into play? The ancient Greeks had a legend of mermaid goats. The story goes that there was a race of sea goats. The father of the sea goats kept trying to get them to stay in the sea and not go to the shore because every time they got close, his children were turned into regular goats instead. He would reverse time and try different ways to prevent his kids from turning into goats but it inevitably happened every time. He finally accepted that he could not control the destiny of his children and got to become the constellation Capricorn. So what does a mermaid goat have to do with winter? The god Kronos created the mermaid goats and gave the king the ability to control time too. Kronos was the Greek version of, drumroll, Saturn. Saturnalia was a wild festival for him during our December that had to do with the passing of time as well as some other things. What does that have to do with the Norse pantheon? Thor has a chariot that's pulled by two goats called Gap Teeth and Teeth Grinder. Thor's goats were better than just a renewable source of transportation. They were edible. The best kind of edible. All you can eat buffet, baby. They were magical and would come back to life as long as the bones were kept intact. One time that didn't happen and problems occurred though. But that's where the goats came from. And no, they didn't turn into Santa's flying reindeer either. I don't think it's safe to eat a glowing reindeer. Don't do that. I don't think there's a pill to fix that. This certainly isn't an exhaustive explanation of Yuletide traditions and lore because, well, I'm exhausted from the holidays and life in general. This should encourage you to learn more if the topic interests you though. There are other traditions like caroling and also other European holidays during this time like Mother's Night. I don't wanna info dump too much on the subject. I just wanna go take a nap and pour a bucket of hot water on the frozen duck water out there. Whew, stay warm, everyone. So regardless if you celebrated the solstice, the secular version of Christmas, your own version of Yule, hopefully without any horse killing, don't, don't eat a horsey. That's, no, don't do that. Or you did your own blending of practices. I hope more people in the future will try to be like Earl Sigurd about this holiday season. Pagans have been all right with sharing this time of year with other holidays and practices. I mean, we still do today. So please 
say Merry Christmas and Christmas party and Christmas vacation. If you don't, you're not inclusive. You're hurtful. Happy holidays. Till next time. <laughs>